episode 71 of Glass Joe. I am PJ Glasser, as always, joined by Joe Malfa. Joe, excited about this episode. We're into divisional week of NFL, which you know is my favorite week of the football season. Um, and we also got Danny Golden, who is joining us. Danny has been following our pod since day one. He's a good buddy of ours from the days of NBC Sports Washington. He's a big Titans fan. Obviously, they have a big game against the Bengals this week. So here is our interview with him to talk about that game and much more. It's been a long time coming, PJ. Long time coming. One of the originals who has supported us through this all. It is Danny Golden, the one and only. It's a hand Thank clap. Thank it's you, guys. a hand clap. First time, long time. Got to be honest. Always <laughs> oh. have to say that. I never call into sports radio shows, so just being a part of a podcast and being able to say that over some sort of airwaves, huge for me. <laughs> Joe, it's always nice. Like, you know, we have a guest on in the early stages, and Danny would always text us. He'd be like, guys, that was so good. It was entertaining. And Danny's a busy guy, so for him to take time out of his day to listen to us, it's, uh, it meant a lot. We're glad to have you on. T- talk some Titans. You see that you're repping your squad a little bit? Always a pleasure, and this doesn't happen very often, or in my life hasn't happened very often. We're turning the tide in the Vrabel, uh, J-Rob, uh, Amy Adams, Strunk era. So, Are, are yeah, we looking at flights in the Nashville airport for next week, possibly? No, we're not. No, no, okay. So, so Don't catch the, the chickens before they hatch, PJ. I got you. The golden household, the couch, is, is where we're, we're watching. Yeah, for I'm, now. Kind of a, I'm kind of a psychopath, too, so I kind of like my basement, just you know, <laughs> watch it by myself you know, in, in, a, in a closed quarters. I will say this, uh, and again, not to jinx anything. If, what time is it? It's 7.30 on Thursday night. The game is at uh, 4.30. 4.30. So, all right. So let's say 48 hours from now, the clock has triple zeros and the Tennessee Titans are winning. Are you, are you really not going to look at tickets or are you going to look at tickets? Are you you're asking me if I'm going to look or I'm going to book? Those are two words look, that rhyme. Look, that's oh, why oh, I said oh, look. Oh, I'm looking. What's life without a little look. without a little window shopping? Absolutely. Okay, that that's part one of that question. Part two is, is what would it take for you to get? I don't know. I think uh, I think I want to save up all my uh, all my tokens here at the, at the Danny Dave and Buster's for a Super Bowl run. You know, not You're necessarily right. this year, but you know, I gotta I gotta turn in my tickets, tickets, tokens, whatever it is, at the right time. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna save that up for a Super Bowl run. That makes so sense to me. What's your thoughts on the matchup? You watch you watch the Bengals game against the Raiders. You know they've been rolling here as don't of late. Don't tell me what I watched, PJ. You, you I did, know. but don't tell me what I watched. Continue. <laughs> did you um did you I mean, you, you never know how a team's going to look after a bye week. The Titans aren't used to, you know, having a bye and playing in the divisional round and just used to wild card. So, are you a little nervous with how they're going to look out of the gate or with how they've been playing this season against good competition, do you, do you feel pretty confident? I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm not nervous because of the bye. If you look at Mike Frabel's record, and, and frankly, I didn't do any real like numbers crunching research <laughs> for this interview. But if Way you to come prepared. Mike, uh, never, never. <laughs> why would I? Um, if you look at Mike Frabel's record after the bye, I'm not going to quote what it is, or after any sort of extended rest, whether it's a Thursday game to a, to a following Sunday or after a bye, He's either undefeated or has one loss, like a seven and one, eight and no, something like that. I mean, Mike Vrabel, when you give that guy that guy time to prepare, he's going to make you pay for it. Um, so I'm not worried about the rest versus rust, any of that. The Titans were not a healthy team. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into Derrick Henry. We're going to have a fresh Derrick Henry on Saturday afternoon. You hope. We're going to. We're going to. We'll be good. <laughs> but um, but you know, when it comes, the thing that makes me nervous is is the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals' offense is dynamic. They have they can kill you from a lot of different ways. They have three plus receivers plus a tight end. 
Um, you know, and are we have a really, really improving secondary, but do we have enough pieces in that secondary to cover all those guys with a red hot Joe Burrow? Um, you know, there's a lot of things that make me nervous, but frankly, it's just playing, playing a hot Bengals team who, you know, I still think they're probably a year, a year or two away from making a true Super Bowl run, but it's a one, it's one game here we're playing. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a win or lose. That's really it. So, um, am I nervous? Absolutely. I would be absolutely nervous if I were in that position, not because I think they're going to lose, but just, again, it's just, it's just different. Like when, when the Titans made the playoffs and beat the Ravens a couple years ago, roles were reversed. You guys were in the Bengals shoes where you guys were probably a year or two too soon or too early. And now it's the other way where the Bengals are coming in a year or two too soon. And you guys are the hunted. You guys are the number one seed coming off of that buy. So it's people forget. And I'm not even saying that to be funny. Like people like even still like, oh yeah, the Titans are the one seed, even though there's been a full round of playoffs that have happened and we're (laughs) about to get into the divisional round and people just still kind of forget we're the one seed. I get it. We're not your traditional one seed, but one seed we are. Not your grandfather's one seed, but not your, uh, not your grandfather's <laughs> one seed. Let me tell but you. Right, so w- in, into Derrick Henry, like the reports are he's healthy. He tested his foot or whatever in, in, in practice and contact was good. Um, pro football doc on Twitter, uh, David Chow. I don't know if you guys follow him. I follow him. He's usually sure. pretty good, pretty spot on, pretty right. Uh, he said that like what he picked up from the conversations, the interviews, that he's going to have a steel plate in his shoe it lets out that it was maybe a little more work in the surgery than it was. So like, will he be on a pitch count? Will he not? My question to you is from what you've seen the last month of the season, if he's on a pitch count, how confident are you in Deontay Foreman kind of picking up the slack? If, if they got to do a, if, if Henry can only take 15 carries and Foreman's tasked with 22, like where's your confidence? If I'm telling you right now, that's the carry split Do the Titans win or lose the game. They win. I still think they win. I mean, you know, and that's just, you know, me, me uh, conjecturing here, uh, you know, <laughs> a few days before this game happens, but I still think they win. But the reason for that is because of the success of Deontay Foreman, not only behind the Titans offensive line, but behind kind of a, a shifting around offensive line, the Titans offensive line between Luan being in and out um, and some of the in- interior pieces, Ben Jones, who's an unbelievable center um, missing some time. You know, they've, he, he's still been successful. He ran, ran for a hundred yards in as many games as he didn't, I believe. Um, so I'm very confident in that. And the other thing that makes me confident is a healthy AJ Brown. I believe a healthy Julio Jones on the outside. You know, we have every single piece that you could have wanted at the beginning of the year. They're back for this week. So, and that's, um, and that's why I don't think like the Henry thing for me, like we will get into it. Like my pick is the Titans. And when I was talking about this with some other people, my dad, a couple friends, like they asked me, like, are you concerned about Henry coming out? And it's like, oh, he's only a situational. He's only going to do goal line carries. Like, no, like if he literally only did goal line carries, if he, if he dressed and didn't take a snap, my pick is still the Titans just because of the way they've figured out how to play without him. Right. And if, and if the Titans roster was, you know, if it was a, a potential pitch count for, for Derrick Henry and the Titans roster was trotting out the roster they did that lost to the Steelers 1913 a few weeks ago with, you know, no AJ, no Julio, a banged up Tannehill behind a patchwork and offensive line. That, that, exactly. <laughs> that, that, and, and, and the Steelers defense is good and they outplayed us in that game, but you know, you know, yes, I'd be nervous, but every at, at this point, all systems are a go. And by the way, I didn't see that particular thing from Pro Football Doc. I'm a Twitter, you know, Derrick Henry video connoisseur. I see plenty of them looking great, by the way. Um, but I didn't hear the thing about the steel plate yet. That sounds intimidating as heck. I don't want to see <laughs> Derrick Henry with more like armor on him or anything like that if I'm a defender. And that's the scary thing from Monday night when Cam Akers just tore through the Cardinals granted the Cardinals can't stop the run at all. Like you, the three of us could probably run for 70 yards each against the Cardinals defense, but PJ's like, for sure. if, if Derek Henry looks like that, where he's just like had two and a half months of rest 
and he's fresh, that's scary. Yep. Like that's absolutely terrifying. I don't want to see that guy when he's like 60% because he's been fatigued from a 17 week season. I don't want to see when he's a hundred percent while everybody else is fatigued from an 18 week season. And that's what I hope we get. That's all I can hope for. I can't wait to see Tannehill in this game because Tannehill, I think has only in like two or three games this season has thrown for two or more passing touchdowns. So Henry obviously does so much for him in the play action when he's in there. It'll be interesting to see how he looks on, uh, on Saturday. Danny, the other games, a lot of good matchups. Um, the other AFC game, Bills, Chiefs. Joe and I have talked about this one, and it's just it's tough to give out a pick. It seems like because the Chiefs are a short favorite, Vegas is telling you that Buffalo is the better team. Um, but it's just tough to bet against the Chiefs, especially at home. Who would you who would you take in that game if you had a pick? Yeah, I like the Chiefs here. I think ever since the Chiefs have really turned it around, you know, and you guys are bigger betting guys than, than I am, so I don't I didn't know exactly what their odds were when they were in the, you know, the midst of that losing skid when they lost to the Titans and a bunch of other teams sort of in the middle beginning of the year. Bills being um, one of those teams. Exactly. So I don't know what those odds were, but I frankly I, I think I had that thought in my mind that I wanted to take them just because the season's long, they're going to get right. And that's I still they're right now are frankly my Super Bowl pick. I mean, if if we're being honest, and we're gonna might get to that later. You know, I'm very nervous if the Titans can get by the the Bengals, what what the Chiefs will do to them. You know, in this this regard. But no, the Chiefs are my pick, and the reason for that being a just how they're operating on on all cylinders. You know, they have the experience, everything like that. But B, I'm sort of a, a little bit of a believer in the law of averages, and I think that the Bills might have had by far their best game in the playoffs last week, and I think that they could easily come back down to the mean, and the mean for the Bills is still a really good team, and I expect that game to be close, but in a pick or a point or two, Chiefs at home, give, give it to me. What was more surprising to you this season, when the Titans held the Chiefs to three points or the game after Henry was announced that he was going to be out for the year, they fly across country and beat the Rams by like 20 points? Yeah, I mean, I think it was the Rams game only because they had zero Henry and the fact that, the, like, that game, there was a lot of hype for that game and the Rams were very, very highly, you know, they were hyped before that game. I yeah. mean, the, the Rams, were that was before they won on their little skid and maybe, you know, part of the reason was what the Titans did to them. I mean, that was really the Titans' defense coming out party, I think, this year because before that week, the Titans' defense was relatively middling. Um, but, you know, they really got after it after the quarterback that game. Um, the entire secondary played well, and you know I think that was sort of a, a sign of things to come for the second half of the year. So, but that 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 game was more surprising to me, just how much they dominated it, just because the Chiefs were already struggling a little bit. Not that I thought they would continue that the whole year. Right. We're talking a little bit about the offense so far. You touched on the defense there. How it was their coming out party. That's probably the aspect of this team that I don't think is talked about enough, just because of the names you have on offense with Brown, with Henry, with Julio and all the talk for the last couple of months of, of the specter of Derrick Henry, would he come back if they make a run? Um, the defense kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Like, tell us a little bit about the defense. You know, what, what about this defense makes it special? You're the one that's been watching every game all season long. I can't say that I've seen more than six full Titans games this year, whatever they've been. You saw a Jets game. National TV. That's what I'm saying. I saw – that's why I said six. I think they've had five national games off the top of my head and the Jets game, so six games. So I, I – and, and but back then, their defense sucked and the Jets – got some yards on them. So that's why I'm saying, like, you've seen them. You know why the defense is special. I saw them more when the defense struggled, when the defense um, held up but still gave up a lot of yards and points to the Bills in that goal line stand game on the Monday night um, when they sucked against the Jets. Like, that's the defense that I still remember 
I can't say again that I've seen them a ton. They, they played really well that Thursday night game against the Niners, the 2017 win. That was the last time that I saw them like in full. So what makes the defense special? Yeah, I mean, what makes the defense go is that they're, they're front four. When they can get, <clears throat> excuse me, when they, when they can get pressure with those four guys, left to right, we're talking Harold Landry, Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons, and uh, now a healthy Bud Dupree, who hopefully has, has passed his legal potential woes, which I, just, I don't even know why I brought that up. It was a nothing burger. But, um, you know, the four of those guys, you know, when they can get it going, especially on the interior, Danico Autry, low-key, one of the best signings of anybody this offseason. Um, you know, nine sacks this year, I believe. Jeffrey Simmons is as, is as good as it gets on the interior and Harold Landry's a beast. So when those four are getting after it, it makes everything a lot easier. And I'm no, you know, football savant. I'm no X's and O's guy. I never played football. My mom didn't let me. So, um, you know, I, 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 I know you, when you get fr- pressure with the front four, good things happen and the Titans have the front four to do that. The other thing though, has been those four have pretty been pretty good all year though. The thing that's been the most improvement has been the play of their corners um, some people call him Janoris. I call him Jackrabbit Jenkins. That guy's been unbelievable in the second half. Legally Jackrabbit now. Legally Jackrabbit. Some people Legally call him Janoris. I don't. I call him Jackrabbit. Um, <laughs> you know, he's been unbelievable in the second half. Both him and Christian Fulton, who's a young corner, are really good at like attacking the ball I- in the air. Um, you know, not necessarily, you know, Trayvon Diggs, you know, ball hawk type, uh, you know, uh, bite on the route type corners, which is a good thing, you know, um, when it comes to giving up, giving up passing yards. Um, but when it comes to those guys, they're really good at kind of going up and attacking the ball at, at its high point with receivers. I've seen that week in and week out for the past eight weeks. So that really kind of bodes well, I think, when it comes to looking at those physical receivers that, that Cincy has this week. When it comes down to it, like Vrabel, his, his identity and perception among the non-Titans fan public is still a mystery to me. There's some people who see him as this like crazy, brash, gambling type guy who's going to go for it on fourth down and go for two to win the game. But then, like, when you watch the game, there is plenty of Belichick in him where, like, he's going to punt from the 44-yard line and make you play offense from your three-yard line. And he's going to kick the field goal when people are screaming to go for it. When the chips are down now in the playoffs, what do you expect from him? Do you expect him to be that gambling type, the brash, fiery guy that a lot of people see? Or do you expect him to be more measured and kind of dictate, let the situation dictate it? No, I still think he's going to be the gambler. I think that's sort of always who he is because he's an aggressive personality when it comes to going forward and forth down when it comes to being in your face, playing smash mouth kind of fo- football. Remember exotic smash mouth, by the way? Shout out Mike Malarkey. I don't know if that was a thing that everybody in the country knew, but Mike Malarkey tried I remember to that exotic smash mouth offense. That team uh, made the playoffs and, DeMarco, and DeMarco he Murray. somehow kept his job. And they lost. Malarkey or Munchak? It was Malarkey, I believe, the exotic. I thought it was Munchak. Mike Malarkey. Oh, you guys might know more than I I missed. Frankly, frankly, it's a bunch of M M names. (laughs) It's before Vrabel, who we're talking about now. He's a brash guy, but in a good way. You know, I think the players love him. He's he he's not the kind of guy to hide anything back. He's going to tell the players exactly what it is. You know, exactly how he feels about them, where they stand on the team. And I think that you know goes into his coaching. Yeah, he'll play those Belichickian games like he did against Belichick a few years back, mm-hmm. you know, winding the clock and stuff. But I just think that's because he's a smart football guy and he's going to do what's, you know, best for his team at a particular time. But no, when the when when everything is laid out in front of him and if the Titans have a big fourth down to go to go for this this postseason, I expect him to go for it. Now you're talking a lot about head coaches, Danny. So I want to shift to college hoops with you real quick. Oh, Obviously, no. we know that Maryland needs a new head basketball coach. You've had like a month and a half to kind of digest it. I know talking with you, Kevin Willard was kind of a guy, maybe not the, your first choice, but somebody reasonably you thought the Terps had a crack at that would intrigue you. 
are there any other names that now you think about it and you're like that that dude I'd like to coach the team? I know the first call I'm making is Mark Few. You beat me to right? a joke. I was gonna say there's this underrated coach in like Spokane or Spokane, Washington. To give him a call, It'd be a waste of five minutes though. No, oh it's my okay. god! So I, won't, I won't throw you to the wolves of for, of for the people listening who don't know. I got absolutely eviscerated by eastern or western i don't even know where spokane is by eastern by western eastern washington twitter uh for saying that because of the relationship with gary williams the terp should pick up the phone even if it's a waste of five minutes and he says no give him a call Kick i said it was going to be a waste of five minutes and my huge twitter clout with like 300 or 400 followers somehow no i think it's well one of those followers somebody, happened to know somebody else and that person myron, retweeted Ma- it. myron medcalf from espn yeah. retweeted it and that's got, and then it just me and myron fire. medcalf so, so. <laughs> um but continue with your your uh your question or is it you're just asking me that about was yeah, I'm just asking what do you think yeah yeah i mean i'm an interrupter what are you gonna do um but no i mean kevin willard's been sort of like I don't want to even say the floor because I think Kevin Willard's a really good coach. I really enjoyed the, the way he coached his team against Maryland. What was that two years ago when, when Seton Hall beat them? Um, yeah. you know, I sort of always like his style of play. And I think, you know, the Under Armour connection, things like that. Um, you know, it's funny too. Bruce Pearl was a name being thrown out a lot. And I, I like Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl is a funny guy. I think he's really, it would be really good for the school in not necessarily short term, but not necessarily long term, kind of that medium term kind of range. Yeah. Auburn might be getting too good for that right now. I mean, they're going to, you know, they might be the best team in the country right now. I mean, in a sort of very top heavy NCAA right now. So um, no, I mean, I I still think uh, he's on my radar when it comes to Willard. Bruce Pearl is going to be in my radar. Andy Enfield is going to be the other guy. I love Mm. what he's doing out at USC. I don't know how realistic that is. You know, Maryland's a better basketball job than USC, no doubt about it. But um, you know, is that realistic for him to make that jump from a very, you know, uh, you know, well, well off school. LA life. Yeah. Um, so it's funny. And it's funny too, that you asked because another guy that I saw being thrown around maybe on the message board is Vanderpool from uh, the Nets. He had a little bit of an incident last night, uh, maybe reaching oh, out to a basketball God. court when he shouldn't have been. <laughs> um, but I certainly don't mind sort of the NBA connection there. Maryland's had a good run of even with not a ton of on-court success, having that sort of NBA jump. So if they can, can sort of continue that kind of pipeline. Um, but it's funny, as passionate as I am, and as much as I care about who the next head coach is, I don't really have like one guy at this current moment that I'm like, they have to go get them because it just kind of seems open. And maybe part of it is sort of the numbness that I feel for the on-court product right now. So I agree. You know, call me when they make the decision. I agree. Mm. I'm going to be on campus tomorrow because I had a friend move. Um, I had a friend move from down where I worked in Florida to take a job at Maryland. So we're actually showing her around campus tomorrow and we're not even staying for the game that night tomorrow night like i'm going to be on campus i'm leaving campus before the game traffic starts because i just i just have an apathy towards them this year and i will probably lock in like again when the season ends as far as looking at names but that tells you all you need to know i'm going to be on campus tomorrow going to have lunch i'm going to tour a friend around and then i'm going to leave before they play a home game against illinois i just don't care and i and i have two free tickets waiting for me at will if i want them but i don't want them I mean, so, hey, that's, you know, you can enjoy your Friday night. But the big yeah. question is, where are you eating in College Park? Uh, we're going to the hall. Oh. Have you been there? It's a new is place. Is that like, a, like, a, like an indoor sort of food hall type thing with a bunch of different places? No, no. It's, oh, it's okay. like, uh, it's like uh, is Trendy the word? You l- l- Google it after. It's called the I hall. Will. I will. Good it's conversation like, we're having. Though, it's about good, good brunch, good dinner, good beer. Like, it's, it's a nice spot. Free advertising. Awesome. It, just, it, opened, it opened mid-pandemic. So, like, it was very oh, okay. little fanfare. But it's doing really well. Yeah, my updated, my college park, you know, uh, Rolodex is still, you know, Marathon Deli and, 
and uh, Bentleys and Marathon actually people. moved. They moved. They I know moved they moved, but the as long as they're right existing, now. we're all right. As long as yeah. I can go get that gyro stuff. <laughs> Danny, if you had your choice and you could only attend one in your life, would you go see the Terps in the Final Four or Maryland football at the Rose Bowl? Oh, Terps in the Final Four. I mean, Terps, Maryland basketball. One of those things long. can actually happen, and it's, it's the basketball one. So that's got to be the It's answer. true, but it's also Terps in the Final Four. And, you know, it's not really, not really a question in my mind, just where I, you know, feel those teams, you know, in my soul. Uh, it's always going to be Maryland hoops above basketball as much as I, or above football as much as I love Maryland. That's football. fair. Joe, I assume your answer would be the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I worked for the football team for a couple of years. So like just being on the inner side of it, maybe I got to like wait a couple of years and be detached. So I don't know the people in the program or the players in the program, but I just, I just don't care about Maryland football at the moment either. Like get like, and, and I, like I'm, I'm happy with the trajectory it's on. And after this year, a lot of the people and players that I knew will be out of there. So I don't have a, like, I, I can't like say one way or the other, like, because I have bias and ties to certain people. They're all, they're all gone after this year. So next year's we're all probably locking more on Maryland football. Uh, but the answer is Maryland final four, a hundred percent. Oh yeah. They're uh, I was looking at their schedule for next season. Their big West. They uh, the big 10 West crossover they have is at Wisconsin. I'm like, yeah. that's, that's I, nice. I am planning. I am planning a road trip if possible. Oh, that would be fun. Do you have have fun watching that game. Yeah. Yeah. Danny, it is uh, it is Swift seven times. No, you I'm won't. shaking. Whoa, whoa, I'm whoa, nervous. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Let's all jump the gun here. We got to get. Oh. We teased it earlier. We got to get your official pick for the game. Okay, of course. We got to get your pick for next week against. You know, fill out your bracket here in the AFC. Okay. And then your Super Bowl pick. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna pick the Titans. You know, I'm a I'm a big I'm I'm a big believer in the okay. If this game gets played ten times, how many times will the Titans win this game? And I think the answer is like six. Maybe, maybe I would, I would up it. I'd say seven borderline eight in Tennessee, seven borderline eight. Okay. Maybe seven, whatever it is. I'm a little bit of a pessimist. Um, and the fact that I'm a pessimist, but I still think they win, I'm going to pick the Titans. I'm, I would pick them with the points too, to be honest. Sorry? Um, on the other side of the bracket, like I said, you know, I, I got the chiefs. Um, I just think that they're too potent, too experienced. Andy Reid's too good of a coach. They're at home in that game. And, and the bills, I think, you know, even if they play a, an, a, an a minus game, they got their a plus game out of the way. Um, and I think I have the Chiefs beating the Titans again. I do. You know, I, I'm just going to be realistic. You know, as, as much as I hope that doesn't happen, I'll, like I said, I'll continue to be a psychopath in my basement. All right, and NFC, then, what do you like? Yeah, who you got them beating? Yeah, so, I mean, the Packers have sort of been my, my lean all year. After that week one debacle for them, they've been sort of my lean all year. I think that game is really close. I kind of like the – I would take the 49ers if I was betting with the points, but I like the Packers in that game straight up. On the other side – Man, they're both super intriguing, intriguing matchups to me, but I'm going to take the Rams. I don't know why something about the way Odell is playing, the way that they won without Cooper Cup having his A-plus game, something about the Rams, you know, just that's my gut feeling there, but I still got the Packers. I got a rematch of Super Bowl one, Chiefs-Packers. Give me the Chiefs. Finally get uh, Rodgers Mahomes. I, you know, I like that because I have a couple of futures tickets for the Chiefs, and one of them is just on the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. One of them is on the Chiefs beating the Packers specifically in the Super Bowl. So I'll take that. Danny, uh, I'll have you know my prediction was 49ers over the Titans in the Super Bowl. So I don't hate that. I mean, I would hate that, but I, w- I don't hate that. <laughs> well, you know why I took it was because when I was betting futures, I'm like, I'm going to take the team that's more odds in the Super Bowl. So if that's the matchup, then I'll just hedge the other side when they meet up. So, But I do think if those teams were to match up, I, I would I – would, probably take san francisco it'd be, it'd be close but i'd probably lean that way yeah that'd be so, an interesting game and they played a few weeks ago so they did they did they did that was a good game too it was a good AJ game. brown 
feasted in that game. Are we going back to the Swift Seven now? Because I'm so nervous for it. We are. We are. Hey, I got some. Do. I got some good questions for you too. DJ starts it off. I'm going to be I'm Swift. There's going to be seven of them. Number one, if Danny Golden had his version of the Manning cast, what athlete would you want to host it with? Ooh. And I, and I could pick from anything, current or former. Yep, whatever you want. Retired, uh, dead, alive, current, whatever you want. I think right now, and I, you know, I, I would have to think about this longer. The name coming to mind is Phil Mickelson. He was so good on the Manning cast, and mm. I just think that Phil would just be like the kind of guy. To hang. And I'm a Tiger guy. Like I don't. Phil's yeah. not even my favorite golfer, but I just feel like <laughs> Phil giving him enough reps at the Manning cast would be awesome. It's good. It's a good answer. Uh, number two, what sports event do you most want to get to on your bucket list that you haven't been to yet? It's bad that the first thing that came to my mind is a, an actual round at the Masters, considering I've been to Augusta, but for a practice <laughs> round. But I just need to go back. It's addicting. Um, but I'll say a Super Bowl. I think a Super Bowl is just enough spectacle. I've been yeah. to a national championship game for basketball, not Maryland, but when Florida beat um, Ohio State in that Greg Oden, uh, Joe Kim Noah game. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to attend that. So that's kind of off the bucket list. Um, I think Super Bowl's got to be it for me right now. Number three, would you be more terrified to tackle Derrick Henry or try and hit a Grayson Rodriguez fastball? Ooh, I'm going to say more terrified to tackle Derrick Henry because the the chance of inflicting bodily harm is higher with that. I, yeah. I trust Grayson Rodriguez to control his 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Derrick Henry's plowing me over. So That's, that's fair. Uh, number four, so if you had 100 fake points and you had to divvy them up between Maryland hoops, Titans football, and Orioles baseball, how would you do it? Would it be like a 50-20-20? Would it be a 40-30-30? 50-20-20 would be 90. 50-30-20. Whatever. Live podcasting, audio issues, math issues, whatever. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I'm going to answer it for like my lifetime because like right now I'm in Titans mode. Sure, like I sure. My Titan. So I'm going to say, I mean, Maryland basketball has always been, been my top thing. I'm going to say 50 Maryland basketball, 30 for the Titans, 20 for the Birds. Okay, solid. Okay. Um, my first one, so number five overall, is if you had to wager on any coach in the league to beat Mike Vrabel in a cage match, are there any? Am I getting like odds or is it just straight no, up? Just straight up. Cage match. Mike Vrabel against any other coach in the league. Is no, there another think, coach that could take I think it? Dan Campbell would be the best fight because he's crazy. I just still got Vrabel. Vrabel's kind of crazy too. And Vrabel's bigger than him at this point. And I think, I don't know if he's younger, but they're around the same age. And Vrabel like looks like he's a little quicker right now. Tomlin so would be up with, the, with the D lineman and it's scary. Mm. Tomlin? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not betting on anybody it. against Vrabel. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the only ones that come to mind are, are Campbell, like you mentioned. Uh, Rob Sala, Tomlin is a sneaky one. That's not a bad play there, PJ. I could see him. Being uh, a sneaky. Yeah, Tomlin's not a bad one, but he's a little old. He's a, he's a, a good shape. He's a little old, and I feel like he's a really like nice guy. Like he's nicer than he lets on, you know. But yeah, PJ saying nice guy things about Mike. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> number six, would you rather the Titans win Game Seventeen of the season, finish nine and eight, and not make the playoffs, end the season on a victory like that, or lose in the Super Bowl? Losing the Super Bowl. I think for somebody who hasn't, you know, I'm a Caps fan, but not like a die, die hard Caps fan for somebody that hasn't won, you know, and you were talking about losing in a Super Bowl, but I just like, like a little sense of success. So even getting to a Super Bowl as much as it would pain me right afterwards, I think that would, you know, that that would hold me over for a little while, just, you know, making the playoffs at this point. 
Okay, fair enough. Uh, last one. What is your favorite sports memory from while you were at University of Maryland? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to say beating Miami on that Monday night. It's not a great mm. memory, but I was there for the only four-year stretch. Maryland Hoops has not made the tournament. So we, we had some good wins. Uh, our esteemed colleague, uh, I'm actually not even going to say his name, and I and our friend Jared went to uh, call a game at Duke. So um, I'm talking about Worm, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so that, that's definitely up there. Maryland lost that game. Um, but that, in terms of just the most fun I had at a sporting event at Maryland, it had to be that Monday night, uh, Labor Day, with the Maryland flag uniforms against Miami. All right. Good pick. Very nice. PJ said he had a great trivia question cooked up, and I can't wait to hear it. Because I, I don't know it either. I think it was pretty solid. Um, Once again, nervous. So, Danny, as you know, 90 seconds, three strikes. It's Titans. I'm going to go down swinging here. It's Titans related, obviously. So, I'm going to, we're getting in playoff mode. Uh, my question for you is since 2000, the Titans have played in 13 playoff games, but they've only faced six teams. So since 2000, can you tell me the six teams that they have faced in the postseason? Yep. So I don't, I don't know if I can, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to start here. <laughs> Ravens, Patriots. Correct. Steelers. Correct. Chiefs. Correct. Two more. Now I'm thinking two. Shoot. Uh, oh, I think I know one of them. Uh, Jaguars, not the Jags. Oh, that was a '99. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, PJ, were you looking at the clock? Because I was not. Yeah, That's 50 seconds okay. left, so he's got Good. plenty of time. Good. I think I have a guess or two, but. <sighs> <laughs> Just running through it. I know I'm not do doing good at commentary right now. <laughs> I will tell you this. They're between 2000 and 2010, so they're not, they're not too recent. Yeah, I know. Um, blanking on it. I'm blanking on it. Um, did they play the Colts in the playoffs? They did not play the Colts. One more. One more. 10 seconds left. Do you have a guess? Who, who have I gotten real quick? You've gotten you the Ravens, Patriots, Chiefs, and Steelers. The Jets? Not the Jets. Yeah, mm. got nothing. I didn't, I didn't want to look at before the... You, uh, PJ, before you say it, before you say it, the couple that came to mind, in my mind's eye, I can picture a number one seeded Kerry Collins playing the Raiders. Uh, they did play the Raiders in 2002, and they okay. lost in the AFC Championship game. Oh, I should have known okay. that. The, when the Raiders went to the, went to the Super Bowl. Okay. And then the other one was in 2007 when they lost to the Chargers. Those, I swear on everything I own, those were the two teams that came to mind. I only said the Raiders. I was going to let you give the last one, but the Chargers. It's funny, the Raiders one, the Raiders one, obviously, we were younger for, but that one, the second you said it, I'm like, oh, of course. I don't recall that Chargers game. I'm going to go back. I guess I'm not a big enough Titans fan. I need to go back and you know look at some game notes for that game. So. I believe, yeah, I believe it was a wild card game. I can't remember if it was in Tennessee or if it was in San Diego. I just wrote down Chargers 07. 2007, huh? Yeah, but, all right. Well, that's, a, that's a lapse in my knowledge, but Chargers I'm going down with the best of them that have, that have lost on the trivia game on this yeah. program. 
Chargers 07, that was, I think, the year that Phillip Rivers went up against the Patriots a week or two later on the torn ACL, right? The same year? That makes Around sense, there. and I probably blocked that out of my mind because I'm used to Phillip Rivers <laughs> losing to Maryland four times in a row when he was at NC State. People don't talk about that enough, so I just forget the times that he beat my other favorite. Real quick, too, I wrote down uh, the five different quarterbacks that have quarterbacked a Titans playoff game since 2000, if you want to give that a uh, – yeah we got some time i mean it's been Tannehill, it's been carrie collins it's been mariota yeah and did billy volick get one in there no billy volick no. oh my god uh, that was just the name the name popped in my head so um obviously mcnair and then um we're missing for the fifth they lost 23-17 in overtime to the Chargers in that game. How do I not remember an overtime playoff? Pull that up, yeah. Repress that one. Who's the last one, PJ? We're not going to – Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was a regular season game. That also happened to be that year. This is the playoff game. And they lost 17-6. to That's a very tight score right there. 17-6, yeah. Let me see that Raiders game. 2002 – AFC. Are you guys just gonna look up stats? Are you gonna like play play some music and play me off here? No, we're, we're, we'll we'll send you off. I just I just want to see now that this has been brought up. I don't know if this is part of the podcast or not, but it's great. You said it was the 2002. It is part of it. Everything's part of it. Come on, great. You, you listen was, to it. You should know this. I think it was the 2008 or it was the 2006 season, but it's considered the 2000. The the Raiders one. The Raiders oh. one. Oh, the Raiders yeah. one was 2002. 2002. Was that like 2000? Yeah, in the, yeah. In the AFC the, title. Yeah, that was the year they played the Bucks. In the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, yeah. Oh, that was the year before that. That's 2001. Hmm. Uh, this, and this segment is called Joe Does Research. Yes. Yeah, it does. Yes. Yes, it, it does. is. Joe's fascinating. Uh, 2000. Uh, here we are. Here we are. Uh, 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 nope, that was the wrong year. You know what? It's, it's, not, it's not meant to be, guys. I, <laughs> I, I, Agree to I, disagree. We can't. <laughs> Titans versus Raiders playoff. Let's see. Uh, how are things otherwise, though, Danny? Life treatment? Good. Well? I, I, yeah, I actually thought you guys were going to have me on to talk mortgage, so it's weird that <laughs> we pivoted towards sports. Oh, uh, well, you know, you, you, you left the oh. sports behind. You're all mortgage now all the time. I am all mortgage. All, eh, mortgage oh, here mortgage. it is. January 19th, 2003. The 2003 game, 2002 season, 41-24 Raiders. Hmm. What a score. That's not a very tight score, to be honest. No. But, uh, yeah, no. Life is good. Happy to uh, be able to enjoy some sports. And, uh, you know, hoping for a win here. And then that way next week at work, I could just be distracted all week thinking about the Titans game again. Oh, it's the best. Making the AFC championship game is the best because even if your team loses, it's heartbreaking. You at least made it through the season with something to look forward to. And then the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. So you're going to watch that. It's a so. good point. And, you know, it's always nice to, um, you know, yeah, it's always just nice, nice to have something that like the light at the end of the tunnel continues to, you know, get a little farther. So. Well, it was good seeing you, Danny. Thanks for coming on. It's been terrific seeing you. And just the one thing you have to remember while you're watching the game on Saturday is that both of those teams lost to the Jets this year. That they did. That they did. Who (laughs) lost to them by more? Uh, The Bengals lost. Let's go. Yeah, we went. We took you guys to overtime. That was a tough bet. You lost on a fat Randy field goal that missed at the buzzer. Yeah, could have been a tie. Could have been a tie. Could have been a tie. That'll happen. But you know, then again, Bullock's gonna have to matter because they got the one seed anyway. This postseason, it's coming. Absolutely, and you know he's been good this year. He really has. That's re- that he was bad that week, and he was bad in week eighteen. That's it. So, and the Bengals got rid of him for McPherson. So, Randy Bullock revenge oh. game. Anybody? Ooh. Ooh, people are not Ooh. talking about that story. <laughs> <laughs>
Turn it All right, fellas. It's See you, great. Danny. Take it easy. Thanks, man. Yeah. Always good catching up with Danny Joe. He's a great Especially guy. Especially while the Titans are doing well, you know? Absolutely. And, <laughs> you know, he, he listens, like I said, pretty much every week. He's been kind enough to give us the contact of Steve Sands, who's been on the show a couple times. But it was it was great to have him on the pod. Glad we could talk some sports with him. Um, you know, give him some Swift Seven questions and uh, a trivia question as well. He always loves that. So a lot <laughs> of fun there. But Joe, these these four games that we got are great because again, in the wild card round, you you knew Kansas City would beat Pittsburgh. You had a feeling Tampa would beat Philly. But all four of these games, even though they're not pickums, you can make an argument for any absolutely beat the other which is really exciting we'll get into buffalo and kansas city last we'll just kind of go through them for how they how they are going to come up on the schedule first one we'll talk about that titans Bengals game we just talked about it with danny but to me joe the interesting thing about this game obviously is what derrick henry looks like but i don't even think he has to be even 75 or 80 percent the Derrick Henry the decoy is almost as effective as Derrick Henry the running back because of what he can give you in the play action game all the pressure he takes off of Tannehill so it'll be interesting how many times the Titans put him in there and then don't even use him they just they bootleg it and stuff um but obviously also when he does run what what does he look like because in his NFL career, he's never had a layoff like this. He's never had an injury that sidelined him for this long. So it's it's going to be fascinating to see. Also, the Titans' playoff history when they're at home isn't particularly great. How does that play a factor? The Bengals just snapped their 31-game playoff drought or 31-year playoff drought, so they're going to be fired up. But th- this will be exciting. The spread feels about right. I thought it'd be three, three and a half. I'm going to take Titans money line. I think they'll win, but I don't want any part of the hook because it it just feels like it's going to be right in there. Ultimately though, the Tennessee defense has been very good this season. I think that Bengals offensive line, which can be very suspect at times is going to give up a few sacks. I think because Derek is back, AJ Brown now has had a couple weeks to get even healthier. Um, Julio will be out there. Maybe he'll give you a big catch on third down or something. But I think the Titans will win a good one. My favorite total is in this game. I love the under in this game. I think that's that's the play. Um, but I do like the Titans to win this game in a close one and advance to the AFC Championship. I agree. I think it's close. I think everything you said about Henry is, is accurate. He's the wild card in this. Is he going to come in there and be rusty on a pitch count? Or is he going to come in there and look like Cam Akers did for the Rams the other night right. where he's fresh and ready to go? And a fresh Derrick Henry is a scary Derrick Henry. All Derrick Henrys are scary yeah. Derrick Henrys, but especially a fresh Derrick Henry is a scary Derrick Henry. Uh, and I'm with you. My, my, one of my best plays of the week, I think, is the under in this game. Um, they, uh, when they just played the Texans to end the season, 53 total points were scored. When they played the Patriots back on November 28th, 49 total points were scored. Outside of that, since from, no, from November 7th till the end of the season, all the Titans games had less than 47 points. So it's been very, very meticulous in terms of that. Low scoring, a lot of run, a lot of clock chewing. Um, this defense with the Titans, uh, you know, it's going to kind of be pick or poison for the Bengals. Will they try to make it a mix-in game? Will they put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands? I think the ball stays in Joe Burrow's hands. I think they try to play this game 
Now, nobody can replicate what the Niners do, but I think they try to play this game the way the Niners played that game on that Thursday night back on December 23rd, where they try to keep it as balanced as possible, maybe a little bit of a slant toward the run, um, and maybe take some notes from that game. Because, again, they don't have the same personnel, but they can do a lot of the same things that the Niners do in a sense, where, all right, Uzama's not Kittle, but, like, they can use him that way. Mixon is not, I don't think, the same type of running back Mitchell is in terms of the, the, the power he has. Mixon is a lot shiftier, a lot quicker, but you could try to do a lot of the same things. They try to get the gadgets going with Jamar Chase with some of the handoffs and pitches you saw this past week against the Raiders, the same way that the Niners used Debo. So I could see this game going very similarly to that game. Total was 37 in that game. It was a 20 to 17 Titans win. And I'm right along those lines for this one, 20 to 17, 21, yep. 17. That's kind of where I see this going for the Titans. And the Raiders had success in that game against the Bengals running the ball with Jacobs. Mm. So the Raiders weren't a very good run team. If they had some success, you got to figure Tennessee will have some success. I'm with you on the under, though. The Bengals love kicking field goals. McPherson's been one of the most active kickers in the NFL this year. So it just perfectly aligns with the under. Should be a great game. I hate betting against Burrow because he's just one of those guys with the ball in his hands late. They've run the stats of his career when they're games that you have to have. He has 29 touchdowns and zero picks. So I expect him to be great. He's going to give his team a chance. Um, And a great receiver matchup, too. A.J. Brown versus Jamar Chase. Pretty damn good. So that'll be fun to watch. Joe, this next game, though, I am fired up for San Francisco at Green Bay. You're fired up for this one because the Niners are your sneaky Super Bowl pick. And this is honestly the game I'm least excited about this week. Really? I'm not even going to be home for it. (laughs) Like, I just... It does mean nothing. I think the Packers are going to wipe the floor with them. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I think San Francisco is going to give them a game. It worries me, obviously, that Jimmy G is a little banged up and everything. But if there's one team that I think can work around a quarterback being injured and manufacturing other ways to get points and move the ball, it's San Francisco because of how Shanahan calls plays, the different ways he can use Debo and Kittle. And they have Trey Lance, too. How many run packages do we see with him this week? That'll be the game plan. Chew clock, run ball, keep Rodgers uh, on the sideline. But I, I, I think San Francisco, they're just such a good road team. They've had success against the Packers since Shanahan's been there. And they just, you know, again, Green Bay is another team you got to worry about. They had a bye. That defense was not good to finish the season. They gave up a lot of points to the Ravens and Detroit, and they you can gash them for some plays. Um, and obviously the struggles that they've had at home since Rodgers have been there, they've lost some games in the playoffs. I You know, it's tough. I, I think Green Bay wins the game. I hope San Francisco wins the game. I do like them plus six, though. I think they'll, they'll find a way to cover the number. But – I think this this will be a close game. That defense is playing much better. Warner, I'm confident, will play. Bosa with the concussion-like symptoms in seven-degree weather is going to be interesting to monitor. But uh, I think Warner will be okay. We'll see what Jimmy G looks like with the injuries. But I think Lance could play a factor running. I definitely think he could come in for some packages and, and get some play calls maybe in the goal line or something like that. The Niners, though, they got to score touchdowns. Last week, they kept That's Dallas in the, the problem. game because they were kicking too many field goals, and 23-7 looked great. And look, the Jimmy G mistake is coming in this game. There's not a doubt in my mind. He's going to have a turnover. It's going to swing momentum. But the thing is, when he's been playing and he's been making those turnovers, they've been winning games. So 
they, they, they're used to it by now. They know how to overcome it. Green Bay has been the best team in the NFC all year. It's tough to see them losing at home. But if the Niners can start hot, they can get some momentum, maybe they can make this thing interesting. Maybe they can make it interesting. Um, I just don't see the way they're going to stop Green Bay. When these teams played earlier this year, Green Bay won 30 to 28. And the, the thing that came out this week about Troy Aikman, the way he criticized Dallas for wanting to, to scheme everything and run a certain uh, play a certain way when there were yards there for CD lamb on like he could have picked up 10 yards every play if they wanted him to. That's exactly what the Titans did against the Niners. And AJ Brown had like a million yards in that game on that Thursday night. This isn't a Cowboys team with Kellen Moore who tries to be very meticulous. This is Aaron Rodgers walking up to the line, seeing that Devonte Adams has a terrible corner, 10 yards loose on him. And he's going to throw it over there. Every single time. Mm. So there's absolutely no way they're going to shut him down. And this Packers team, more so than some of those past Packers teams, is built for now. They have a good defensive front. They struggle on the back end, but the front is good. Rashawn Gary's playing like a man possessed right now. Uh, but then on offense, you have obviously Rodgers. You have obviously Adams. But nobody's talking nearly enough about the one-two punch of Jones and of Dylan. And as this game gets into the fourth quarter – I think the Packers are going to take the Niners game and shove it right back at them with the power run of Dylan and of Jones. This reminds me of the very same spot as last year. Um, and, and literally to the same injury, uh, almost. Last year, we were all, I, we, I was all over the Rams going on the road, beating the Seahawks in the wild card round. That happened. You were all over the Rams. Um, I'm sorry, you were all over the Niners going on the road and beating the Cowboys. Yeah. Second week, both, te- both teams on the road at Lambeau. Both times, both teams, starting quarterback, last year Goff, this year Garoppolo, limited or out with a thumb injury. It lines up the same way, and the Packers took care very easily of the Rams in that game. Um, Coming off of a bye, the extra week to plan, and you saw in the Bucs game and the Niners game why having the bye is so important because both of those teams lost some important players. Um, I just think it's a good matchup for the Packers. I don't, I don't see them – put it this way. I don't see the Niners keeping the Packers to under 30 points, and I don't see the Niners being capable of scoring more than three touchdowns in this game because they struggle to score touchdowns like you just said. Um, they, that's what kept the Cowboys around in that game, and you even go back the last couple of weeks with the Niners team. Uh, they struggled to score touchdowns against uh, the, the Texans in that game. That was Trey Lance's game, but it was the – game after new year's when it was 23 seven they went up 10 nothing on the titans in that thursday night game lost 20 to 17 they don't capitalize enough on opportunities and against a team like the packers who could score 30 at will i think that's going to come back to bite them so i I do like the packers and the number in this game um and i like it better if if trey lance plays because i just don't he's not at all ready yet and and the way this line has moved like it it tells me that like Vegas isn't sure about Jimmy G playing and the, the injury reports in practice and the snaps he's taking him in kind of murky. So my gut tells me that Jimmy G is not going to play. And like some of the main doctors on Twitter, uh, David Chow, who like he's pro football doc on Twitter. He, you know, he, he diagnoses everything from the video and he gives you the reports every week. Um, he's basically said that at least the last update I saw, don't want to misquote it in case he's since said anything else, but the last update I saw, he leans towards Jimmy G not playing. And if he plays very limited. So I like the Packers and the number. Um, You know, you talk about the Dallas-San Francisco game. Real quick, touching on that and all the heat that McCarthy got. What were your thoughts on that last play? It was terrible. Even if they – and I agreed with um, 
uh, Steve Young said it on Monday Night Countdown, which, by the way, that Monday Night game should never happen again. Um, Steve Young said it on the Monday Night Countdown. Even if they executed that play perfectly and they got the ball clocked, I said the same thing in the moment and he said the same thing on Monday. I would have rather had two, maybe three, maybe three plays from the 37 than one play from the 27. Like that, even if they executed McCarthy and Moore's vision perfectly on that play, think of what the end result was. They would have had one play to win the game from the 27. Would you rather that or with 14 seconds left, take two, maybe three shots from the 37? Because you figure if Dak doesn't scramble too much, um, you throw two darts to the end zone, you, you might still have two seconds left by the time both of those fall incomplete. So you could have had, you definitely would have had two. You maybe would have had three plays from the 37 versus having one play from the 27 if everything went perfectly, which it didn't. So that made absolutely no sense. Um, and but the to way be honest, penalties like, were flying Mike, in that the, game too. The penalties <laughs> were terrible. Mike McCarthy actually didn't have any time management flubs in that game no. until the end. Yeah. And you know what's coming with him. Oh. I can't believe the guy still can't figure it out. I can't believe people still think this guy's a good coach. <laughs> I can't believe the Cowboys are considering keeping him when they have two guys in house. Kellen Moore, it, it's, you know, we're not sure. Cause like, We've seen him really good. We've seen him really bad. How much of an influence does McCarthy have on him, whether a positive or negative influence? Is he is, is more wanting to call the offense one way, but McCarthy kind of has his hand in the kitchen too and trying to stir that pot? Like, we don't know. But when the back in 1958, Jim Lee Howell was the coach of the Giants, and the offensive coordinator was Vince Lombardi, and the defensive coordinator was Tom Landry. And they both left in the same year, and then the next year, Jim Lee Howell got fired. So mm-hmm. – I'm not saying that Kellen Moore is Vince Lombardi or that Dan Quinn is Tyler Landry, but like, it's a very, it's a similar scenario where the guy in charge, I don't think is nearly as good as the two guys who were under him. And the Cowboys should very much think about firing him and not letting both of those guys go because they will regret it. If both of those guys go, Dan Quinn is a heck of a head coach. It just after the blown lead in the Super Bowl, which is all Kyle Shanahan's fault to this day. Um, like there was just a stink and a cloud around that team that they were just not going to mentally overcome. He gets a fresh start somewhere. He goes to Denver. They're going to win a Super Bowl or be close to one within five years. So uh, I think it'd be a very big mistake if they didn't wow. fire McCarthy and the promote Quinn uh, or, or more. Um, it's uh, what was I going to say? It's funny that um, Dallas, I forgot. I forgot my point. You, I, you said something and then it triggered the point that I was going to say, and then I can't remember what it was, but um, yeah, McCarthy, it's, I just, I don't understand how franchises like can look at certain coaches and think like, that's yeah. like the best that we can do. I mean, you're the Dallas Cowboys. Like, like he's not even the best in house. That's I the know. thing. That's what makes it worse. Oh, 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 I know what I was going to say. House. I know what I was going to say. It's like how we've been seeing on Twitter all week about that Washington Redskins coaching staff. With Shanahan, oh, McVeigh, oh, and LaFleur in the house. And they kept and they hired Gruden. Unbelievable. Oh boy, that's bad. Tells you something about those two franchises, right? And it exactly was just gonna it tells you exactly why those franchises are where they are and where they're going to yeah, be. Yeah, no, I'm with I'm with you on Dan Quinn though. That's a good call. I think he's a good coach. I don't know if I buy into him as much as you. I think he's very good. Obviously, that 28 to 3, there's just no coming back from that. Kellen Moore to me. I kind of get Freddie Kitchens vibes. I get I more think- Zach Taylor vibes. We're like, I, like we didn't we didn't know about him, 
because Zach Taylor was under McVeigh, and it was like, like, what does he really do? Like, how, how do we know that he's kind of doing everything? And, and that's kind of my vibe here. Like, we know he calls the plays, but, like, how much influence does McCarthy have? And then, like, from that, what will he become when he grows into his own? After one year, a lot of people wanted to fire Zach Taylor with the Bengals. They kept him, and now he probably should be the coach of the year, or at least one of the, the, the main candidates for it. We'll get a lot of votes. So, like, that's where I look at him. Like, what will he be when he's on his own? It could go one of two ways. Could. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the two top coach of the year candidates are playing in Nashville. Vrabel and – And you uh, know what else they have in common this yeah. game? What's that? Both of these teams lost to the Jets, the Bengals and the Titans. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Joe, are the Jets making the playoffs next year? Just go ahead and get out um, in front of it. Uh, you know, I need to see some free agency the way it looks. But the Jets the – Jet, I'll tell you this. The Jets will be on the in the hunt graphic. Did you, sell, did you send some sense. flowers to Stephen Ross's house for Fire and Flores for you? Oh. Because that made your life a lot easier in the East. I mean, I, I, I still don't think Flores is all that. Um, because the guy, like, yes, he went on that run down the stretch of the season when they won seven. But they also lost seven before that. And the, the, they don't erase each other. And the seven wins came against terrible teams who were then also missing their quarterbacks. Um, and the guy had a 500 record in three seasons. So, like, let's not anoint this guy. I do like him, but, like, I don't think it's the best thing in the world getting rid of him from the division. But uh, uh, I, I think he'll catch on somewhere else, and we'll see how that goes as well. If Dan Quinn leaves and I'm Dallas, that's my first call to go coach the defense if he's interested in that. But we'll see what happens. Point. Yeah. Um, Sunday, 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 Joe. We got some matchups. Uh, Rams. Bucks, Bills, Chiefs. What's crazy, the Chiefs and Tampa Bay might be the most two publicly bet teams in football. Dallas probably up there too. But you have Tampa and Kansas City. Both pretty much are Tampa, it looks like now, is going to be under the field goal. They're at like two and a half, three at like small juice, like 105. And then Kansas City's been kind of fluctuating one and a half, two. Tampa Rams is very interesting to me because I just feel like here we go again. Like we're really doubting Brady at home. And it's just, it comes back to Stafford with me, Joe, that Monday night's game against Arizona to me was way more about the Cardinals than it was against about the Rams. The Cardinals game plan was horrific. You have one of the best running offenses in football. Connor was great this year. Edmonds was solid. And then, well, Murray can gives you on the ground. You're still without DeAndre Hopkins. And you just come out and you're throwing every play. And you're behind the chains. It's third and 11. It's third and 17. I just thought the game plan was horrific. They started to have some success with it in the second half. But by that point, it was too little, too late. You know, I get the flash with the Rams. And they're looking good. Odell Beckham's been a nice transition. The addition of Akers is helping the run game. But... I think a lot of it, too, was that Arizona defense was so gassed because the offense couldn't get a first down that the running game looked a lot better than it probably would have been on Monday night. Tampa's defense looked great against Philly. They look like a championship defense again. Offensively, Tampa Bay, there's still some things they need to work on. Getting Fournette definitely should help. You would figure that Evans and Ramsey are going to kind of cancel each other out. So this is going to be a big Gronk, Brashad Perriman, uh, Johnson, maybe Ronald Jones or Bernard out of the backfield kind of game. I just trust Brady at home 
to figure it out. To me, this is a Brady versus Stafford bet. Stafford didn't make his mistake last week, which means it's coming this week. So I like Tampa. I don't get the Stafford slander from anybody. Like, this guy was an MVP candidate until down the stretch of the season he struggled because he was playing through an injury. Um, and, like, ha- like how should, should playing through an injury and having some tough games cloud our judgment of who he is and how he is and how he's always performed in big games and in the clutch time? I mean, think about his time with the a, a Detroit Lions team that was winless before he got there and almost winless the year he left. How many times he somehow pull a rabbit out of the hat and won in the fourth quarter. He's a terrific fourth quarter though. quarterback. Way different. But, like, it's just I, – I feel like I, I don't understand why we have this perception of him as being a scrub come crunch time in the playoffs. He was – he barely got bad Lions teams to the playoffs. So the fact that he didn't have his first playoff win until two days ago doesn't mean anything to me. He was on the Lions, and he somehow made them relevant every year. So that – playoff part means nothing to me and then the big game late game situation thing he's been terrific in those situations in his career and the the mistakes have come the last few weeks because he was playing through injury and everybody this whole week was talking about like all right how how would he look they kept asking him about it in the press conference he said he was fine and he came out and he looked like he was fine it's, so it's like Romo Romo had all these fourth quarter comebacks but when it really came to crunch time he just you, you don't you don't trust them it's the same like staff yeah but like he didn't have many he didn't have the, the sample size for Romo was incredibly small and it was still a little bit bigger than Stafford. There is no sample size for Stafford. Monday was the sample size for Stafford because that was the first time that he was on a halfway decent team in the playoffs and he didn't have to drag their dead carcass over the finish line like he did for so many years with the Lions. So I don't get that. And it's not Brady versus Stafford for me. Um, also, the whole thing about the Bucks defense, you said, I don't buy that. The, 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 Eagles moved the ball on them. The Eagles only had 10 less yards than the Bucs did in that game. Um, oh, the Bucks it was did all do, in garbage time. The what the Bucs did do, they, got it, they didn't get it past midfield. Like what the Bucs did left. do was come up with the, the opportune turnovers. And in the first half, the Eagles two or three times had the ball fourth down and five, fourth down and seven from like the 37, 42 in the opponent's territory. And they went for it and missed it. And that was – that offense is nowhere near as good as a Rams offense. Uh, this Bucks team, shout out to Hembo on, on get up for this stat. Um, the Bucks are one of, they're one of, they're the top rushing defense in the league, especially when you go up the middle. They're one of the worst rushing defenses in the league when you run outside of Vita Vea. And this entire Rams rushing attack is predicated on running the stretch plays, running the counters, running outside. Um, Cooper Cup is one of the best blocking receivers in the league. Tyler Higby is one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. They're going to run this ball outside all day. They're going to control the tempo. And unlike when the Eagles got into trouble because they fell behind early, um, they can throw when they have to to Cooper Cup, to Higby, and to Odell. And Stafford is a lot better than Jalen Hurts. So uh, this, what I, everything that I thought about the Bucks eagles last week, which still had a chance at the very end when the Eagles got the ball with 70 seconds, they needed to go 70 yards for a chance at the cover. Um, despite all that went wrong in that game, including the forecast, which was off by about 40 miles. Because while, while the game was going on, I follow one of the weathermen from down there because like when I lived down there for nine months of the year, there was a tornado on the ground 40 miles south of the stadium. So, so a lot of factors went into that. And the Bucks mm. still, like the Eagles still had a chance late to cover. The Rams are significantly better. Um, I think they match up incredibly well. What you mentioned about Ramsey canceling out Evans, I'm curious where the Bucks go on offense. It's going to be Gronk. It's going to be Brady. Um, but can Brady force feed them all day 
and, and do enough to score and keep up. How much does Tristan Wirfs hurt? How much do some of the other injuries hurt? Um, the guys who came back from injury last week, JPP, Shaq Barrett, they didn't flash much for me. Um, Fournette, is he coming back? What will he look like? There's just too many question marks around the Bucks for me right now that, that Brady alone doesn't cancel out. And on the Rams side, they're flying high. They match up incredibly well, especially if it's a weakened offensive line and you have to use that weakened offensive line against Aaron Donald and against Vaughn Miller and against the rest that defense has to offer. Um, I don't think they're going to blow them out by any stretch of the imagination here. Um, but in this game, let me double check what that total was. Uh, it was, it was moving. Um, the, the spread is plus three for the Rams that I remember. Um, the total is, I have it here now, 48 and a half. I think this game falls somewhere in the range of like 27 to 21 Rams, um, somewhere in there. So I do like the Rams to win this one. I, it'll, it'll be close. I mean, I get what you're saying. You make some good points. I, I just, you know, they beat them earlier this season. The Rams did yeah, they throw them it last week, year. It was week three. All Monday yeah. night. Um, I don't know. I, I just, you know, Tom, Tom Brady at home. I mean, that, that takes, it takes a special kind of, kind of team with the right kind of mindset to go on the road and beat a Brady and, playoff team at home. And they got into a couple of ruts in that game against the Eagles. There were a couple straight three and outs where Brady was getting sacked. It felt like by Ryan Kerrigan, every other play. So yeah. like the, the, the Rams are just, like I said, if I was on the Eagles last week to cover and maybe surprise the upset, I almost have to be on the Rams this week because the Rams are just a better version of the Eagles in all facets where they want to try to run the ball outside, but they also can throw if they have to. And the quarterback who can throw if he has to, and a significantly better defense. So um, it's the same logic I pretty much had last week, but just a much better team that I'm picking than the Eagles this week. Um, yeah, should be, should be a great game. I'm just looking at how the Rams finished down the stretch. So they beat Arizona. They lost that game in overtime in San Francisco when they were up 17, nothing and a half. That's the first game McVay has ever lost when leading yeah. halftime. That could be that another team is in a kryptonite. They, they, they better hope that the Packers beat the Niners because if it's the Niners, they're screwed. See, what's funny is I actually do think that if the Rams play the Niners this time. Oh, I, they'll beat them. They'll beat yeah, them this time. You can't beat a team three so times. So I'm yeah. hoping for San Francisco-Tampa. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, all right, Joe, the last game, Buffalo and Kansas City. This kind of feels like the de facto AFC championship. It seems yeah. like whoever wins this game, will they'll definitely be favored and will probably beat either Tennessee or Cincinnati. The line is one and a half, too, which Vegas is telling you is Buffalo's the better team, which yeah. might surprise a lot of people. Um, to me, there are two big things. When I watched the Kansas City and Pittsburgh game, Pittsburgh's defense the first quarter and a half was tremendous, phenomenal. They came out flying. Pittsburgh offense, though, they, they just couldn't get a first down, and they had to keep putting that offense, the, their defense, back on the field. And that's why Mahomes and the Chiefs scored five touchdowns in 10 minutes. That won't happen with Buffalo. They, they played a perfect game against New England on offense, and they're going to move the ball. Josh Allen with his arm and legs will be effective. And, look, they got their payback sort of on Sunday night football early in the regular season, but this is the one they want. They wanted the Chiefs again in the playoffs in Arrowhead. And the way that running game has been coming for them with Singletary – and even Allen, the way they're using McKenzie, 
I mean, that's big. They're really not even having to use digs to beat teams. It's Knox and it's Beasley and it's Allen running. They're just a good team. Tredavious White injury hasn't really burned them yet. Their back end with Poirier and Hyde has been phenomenal. Um, the Bills, you know, it's like they have built their team to take down the Chiefs. That's the team they know they need to go through. Kansas City's trying to make it to the Super Bowl for the third straight time, which is incredibly hard to do. It just seems like this is the game where the Chiefs are going to get got. This is the game that they're going to lose. Um, I love two props in this game. I love Mahomes overrushing, and I love Allen overrushing. I think Ooh. both quarterbacks will be running, doing whatever they can to get, even if it's four or five yards. Both teams will go for it on fourth down. Both teams, I mean, it, they'll be just going for it. Um, this will be a great, great football game. It's tough to bet the Chiefs at home, uh, to not back the Chiefs at home, especially when it feels like a lot of people are on Buffalo, and that's dangerous. But uh, I, I, think, I think Buffalo is, you know, another thing too, Buffalo's 0-5 this season in one-possession games. So I was going to get to that close, point next, yep. If this game is close, which a lot of people are expecting it to be, they haven't reacted well when, when a game's tight. They either just blow everybody out or they lose close games. You would expect this game is tight, so how will they respond to that if it is? PJ, for the first time, and I think forever, I genuinely don't have a pick in the game. That's kind of a cop-out. I genuinely don't have a pick. And let me illustrate to you exactly how, to the degree that I don't have a pick in this game. BetMGM every week has a promo where you bet 25 bucks on the first, uh, uh, first touchdown score. And if you win, obviously you win the bet. If you lose, you get a free $25 bet. Last week with the wild card, they did it both days, Saturday, Sunday. I did it both days. I lost both days. Surprise, surprise. Um, I took those two $25 free bets. I placed identical parlays for this weekend. Almost mm-hmm. identical. Moneyline parlays. The Titans. Then followed by the Rams. Then followed by, who am I missing? Crap, wait. Uh, Packers. The Packers, yes. The Titans, the Packers, the Rams. Two $25 free bets I had. In one of them, I took the Chiefs. In the other one, I took the Bills. It's a built-in hedge. So if my first three are right, I'm winning one of the two. I genuinely don't have a pick, and literally for all the reasons you mentioned already. The Chiefs are at home, but Vegas thinks the Bills are better. I personally trust Mahomes a little bit more, but Josh Allen has also been terrific. The Chiefs are built like a juggernaut. The Bills are built like a juggernaut. The Bills have struggled in in one-possession games, but I also think it's the Bills' time to shine and like they can get over the hump. There are so many different things pulling me in so many different directions. I genuinely don't have a pick. My only play in this game is on the total. We'll get to that in best bets. I genuinely don't have a pick. I'm going to sit on the couch. I'm going to sit on the couch and enjoy the hell out of the game. Um, I have two futures, three actually, involving the Chiefs. And I hope the Chiefs win because also I don't want to see the AFC East team win in the Bills. I, I applauded them and rooted for them this past week to just shellack the Patriots, and that was awesome to watch. But I go back into rooting against the AFC East, so I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I'm rooting for my futures. I don't have a pick in the game. I only play on the total. And those couple of futures I have, I just I, I, I got the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl when they hit their little lull, and they were, what, 3-3 three and three or 4-4. Four and four. And then um, before the playoffs started, I hit exact 
uh, result Chiefs over Packers uh, in the Super Bowl. And then I had um, uh, Kelsey to lead the postseason receiving yards because I'm banking on him having four games. Um, so, so for my future's purposes and for not wanting to see the Bills win, I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I genuinely don't have a pick. Could go either way. My only place on the total, which I'll get to in best bets. Which fan base do you think is more nervous about the game? Still the Bills. I think just because, just because they've been so close so many times in those four straight Super Bowls, and now they're, like, good again, and it's the second time in a row that they're playing on the road against the Chiefs in the AFC title game. Like, if they lose this game, the same thoughts are going to creep back in of those teams that made the four straight Super Bowls, and they're going to genuinely wonder if they're ever going to lift the trophy. Um, the Chiefs, like, they're playing with house money. They've made it to two straight Super Bowls. They won one of them. They know they're going to be back there every year. Um, the Bills probably are also going to start being in this spot every year. Uh, but the difference, again, is the Chiefs already have that trophy. Um, and, and it allows the fans to breathe a sigh of relief. So I, I definitely think until they get that monkey off the back, like the famous Steve Young video, um, it's going to be the same thing for the Bills, where their fans and their players will always be more nervous. And that is also something that plays in. Like, this game's in the fourth quarter, and it's a one-possession game. Besides the fact that the Bills are 0-5 in one-score games, which quarterback could I see more likely making that just colossal mistake? It's still Josh Allen. Like, in that moment, I could still see him switching off for a half a second and not seeing someone running behind and swiping that ball from him. Um, where he's going to – he he feels like he's got to be Superman and he's going to be trucking a guy on third and eight trying to get the first down, and then Tyron Matthews is going to pop that ball out with a little peanut punch. So, like, I, I still could see him doing that in the fourth more than I can with, with Mahomes. These two games, the Tampa Rams and Kansas City-Buffalo game, I'm going to live bet. I'm going to see yeah. who gets up, and if there's a spread that gets over seven and a half, I'm going to bet it because both are going to be one possession and they're going to come down to the end. Um, I see what you're saying about Buffalo's fan base being more nervous. I'm actually going to say Kansas City's is more. So being an Alabama football fan, when your team is kind of the team that everybody's trying to beat, it's it's hard because you really go into every game thinking you're going to win. But to me, oh, this poor is a lot. you with all your championships. <laughs> but to me, this is a lot, a lot like the Georgia game, where I think Chiefs fans know that Buffalo's better, and they kind of know that it's their time, and they know that they've been in the Super Bowl two straight years, and that stuff just can't keep happening. Um, so for all those reasons, I- I'm with you. It's going to be a great game, but and I if, like the Bills. If I do, uh, I guess I'm talking myself into picking the Chiefs after I said I don't really have a side in this game. Like, the problem with the Bills is, was, was last week too much? Did they peak last week and, and get over the hump of Belichick uh, and get rid of that specter where now it kind of comes back to bite them? Because the Bills have had games this year, but they just haven't shown up. They yeah. lost at home to the Jaguars. They, they had, the Jets were playing like seven guys that I've never heard of in the Week 18 game, which the Bills still needed to win to win the division. And the Jets were in that game until the fourth quarter. Um, the Panthers hang around until halftime. Uh, so like they, they've just been those games this year where they switch off and even if they haven't switched off for a whole game they've switched off for periods of games like when they played the Patriots in Foxborough they should have probably cruised through that game and blown them out but they switched off and the Patriots had a chance to make it close late 
Um, the Falcons game, they were tied at halftime or, or so like they, they just have those moments and the chiefs really don't like they, they, sometimes they struggle to start games like they did against the Steelers, but like once they get going, they're gone. Like as soon as they scored a couple touchdowns in that game, it was done. Um, and, and under the radar, Jarek McKinnon, what yes. is he going to, what is his role going to be in this game? Because Kim's out in that Steelers game and I'm like, McKinnon. Yeah, like let, let's not forget this dude was supposed to like he was a top fantasy pick with the Vikings before he got hurt. He was a top fantasy pick for the Niners before he got hurt. If the dude's fully healthy and they haven't really used him this year, he hasn't played much this year. If he's fresh, that has the same effect that Cam Akers had in the game the other night. It has the same effect that Derrick Henry might have in this game. Um, so like that that's another under the radar thing with them. Uh and, and again, just the Chiefs kind of seem to get their mojo back with the way that game went late, but so did the Bills. Dude, I'm with you. I'm with you. Look, I'm going to enjoy like it. Bills, That's all I know. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm glad I, I don't have a rooting interest from a fan perspective because I'd be like, oh, this yeah. game is 50-50. Um, all right, Joe, real quick before we get into best bets and trivia, some college hoops talk. Last time we were on – Everybody we talked, lost since we last came on. <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, Baylor not only lost once, they lost twice at home, which was shocking. But uh, – here, I'm going to put up bracketology real quick, Joe. There are two teams that stand out to me in college hoops. The first one is Auburn. They are loaded. They have size. They have speed. They can shoot. They have Jabari Smith, who's going to be the number three overall pick in the draft. They have one of the best home courts in college basketball at that Auburn arena. The Kentucky-Auburn game this Saturday, the get-in price is standing room only, and it's like $270. Ooh. It's absurd. And it'll be sold out. But their team, um, you know, their backcourt isn't as good as Harper and Brown was when they made it to the Final Four. But as the year goes on, those guys are going to get better, and they're going to be a tough out. The other team is Wisconsin for me. Wisconsin has a pro in Johnny Davis, and he's the real deal. And they got 17-year senior Brad Davison, who's probably going to come back next year and play. Um, But the two of them, experience and an NBA player, and just, you know, how now Wisconsin can score because old Wisconsin just wants to make it in the 60s. But this Wisconsin will win by 80. And what's impressed me about them is they've had all these games where they were small favorites and Vegas was waiting for them to lose. They were small favorites against Maryland and Iowa and Ohio State and Northwestern. And they won all of them, which which is just a sign of a really good team. Those two teams jump out to me as teams to definitely watch Auburn could be number one in the country. If they beat, yeah. uh, if they beat Kentucky today, other than those two though, um, you know, Arizona, I'd like to watch a little bit more. I haven't really watched them too much. I know they are fast paced and they run up and down. I haven't seen Arizona at all. When I saw how high they were in the rankings, it kind of surprised me. Yeah, they're good. Um, everybody, here we go again. They're forgetting to talk about Gonzaga and in their three WCC games, they're averaging like 114 points. Yeah. So, there you go. To me, though, Joe, I think a lot of the two seeds this year are very gettable for some early upsets. Like Kansas, not impressing me. Michigan State, not impressing me. LSU is a two. They're beatable. Um, now, if teams like Purdue sneak up to the two and Duke stays there and you get like a UCLA, then those teams will be tough to beat. But those other teams, very gettable. 
Um, the teams going forward for me that'll be interesting to watch are Michigan. Can they turn around? Because they had a lot of preseason hype and they have not lived up to it. Texas, Chris Beard obviously had all these different transfers come in there. They just lost at home to Kansas State. They need to pick it up. So those are two teams uh, that I would watch for. But Auburn, Wisconsin, to me, the two teams moving forward that uh, really have impressed me so far. I agree with that. Uh, I throw Kentucky in there too. And for the same reason you mentioned with Texas, Kentucky is pretty much all transfers this year. Yeah. And like, as they continue to, to mesh more, they can be very, very dangerous. Uh, in that game the other day, uh, not the one against Texas A&M, the, the win before that uh, against Tennessee, Kellen Grady went off just microwave for a few minutes. Like yeah. everybody can do that. So if they start to put it together consistently, and I guess the same could be said about Bama. Uh, I mean, I'll talk about your team for a second. Like I, I watched them last night against LSU. They looked unbeatable for five minute stretches. Then they looked like one of the worst teams in the SEC for five oh minute stretches. Yeah, so that's... if, if they can put it together and start being more consistent with some of the youth they have, they're a dangerous team like they were last year that we can't forget about either. Yeah, they uh, last year's team was just so deep. This year's team is so dependent on Quinterly and Shackelford. And look, when they're at their best, they beat Gonzaga. Exactly. Exactly. And when they're at their worst, they lose to Missouri. So they're the kind of team, if they get in as like a four seed, they could definitely lose to a 13. If they get past that game, they could go to a final four. So yeah, who knows? That's the way it works college hoops a lot. But can't wait for Auburn, Kentucky on Saturday. Right. That'll be a hell of a game. Got to watch that one. And then uh, just a quick mention of the NHL here as we get to a point now um, where we're at where the Olympic break was supposed to be, uh, mm -hmm. but now the players aren't going to the Olympics. So all those games that were rescheduled from the end of December are now in this, what was supposed to be Olympic break, just kind of taking stock of where we're at. Rangers right now are leading the Metro. Uh, the Hurricanes have four games at hand and they're only two points back. So for all intents and purposes, uh, the, the Hurricanes are first, Rangers second, Caps third, Penguins fourth, uh, Lightning, same thing. They're, they're a couple points ahead of the Panthers who have games in hand, though. So for all intents and purposes, you've got the Panthers one, you've got the Lightning two, Maple Leafs three, and then the Bruins four. So pretty much all the teams we kind of expected in the Eastern Conference, except for the Islanders. I was going to say. But that's, that's where I'm problem. going with this. Because they got all these home very, games. Very, very interesting odds on the Islanders. When we had our season preview – I said, wait a month on the Islanders, let them play terribly in their massive road trip before the arena open, and then try to get them on some futures. Now, the future I mentioned was the cup back then. Don't bet this team to win the cup. They're not that good. However, there is still the prop to make the playoffs where they're plus 300. They've only played 32 games because of all the road games they played and all the COVID issues they've had. Everybody's coming back now, and they're going to start playing those games now and all those games are at home. So they're in last place right now in the Metro. They're at 32 points in 32 games. I mentioned that specifically because you look ahead of them. Devils, 33 and 38. Flyers, 34 and 39. Blue Jackets, 35 and 36. So on a points per game basis, they're actually fifth behind the Penguins, even though they're currently in last. Better to have the points in hand than the games in hand. They still have climbing to do. But then you go over and you look at the Atlantic, and the Bruins are sitting there at 46 points in 36 games. And in the Metro, 51 in 38 for the Penguins. Those are your two wildcard teams you're chasing. So they have a chance to still get in there in that range for the wildcard. I'm not saying they'll do it, but with all the home games they have and at plus 300 odds, Vegas still likes them. 
And, and there's a reason for that. It's because they were a cup caliber team before the year started. I don't think that just vanished. Trotz is still their coach. They're going to make a run here. The question is, can, did they dig themselves too deep of a hole uh, where they're going to fall just short? It's possible, but it's worth a stab if you want to just make a play, set it, forget it, come back to it in a couple months. They are 3-1 to one right now to make the playoffs. And then um, uh, another one that I wanted to point out, Gerard Gallant, who currently has a Rangers team punching way above its weight uh, with 56 points atop the Metro division, a team that is a lock to make the playoffs at this stage. He's still 12 to one to win coach of the year. Uh, and, and some of the other options that are there next to him, they're like, they're fine. Possible? I got it like that on Ben MGM. So he, I think it's because Vegas still underestimates the Rangers and thinks they'll fizzle and thinks they're going to get to a point where they maybe get the wild card instead mm. of being near the top of the division. Mm. I don't see this team slowing down because this team has done all of this through their own COVID issues. They didn't have as much issue as the Islanders, but they missed a lot of players due to injury and COVID and they're still right there. And they're going to be big buyers to the deadline because they have a lot of assets and they have $30 million in cap space. So they can get whoever they want at the deadline. So this is a team that's not going anywhere. And I say that objectively, not as a fan, just look at what they have in terms of their, their assets and where they are in the standings. There's no reason he shouldn't be one of the favorites to win coach of the year right now. And those odds are probably going to fluctuate soon. And I think they took a lot of player props away um, for like MVP and Bezina because the, the league was supposed to go into a break soon and they were probably going to reassess and, and republish the odds during the break. Um, now I'll see what they make of it because there's not going to be a break. Uh, but but that's what if you could still find Gallant if that prop is still posted somewhere I got it at twelve to one the other day but since we since we last recorded I got it at twelve to one. I hate that the Rangers are good again because they're <laughs> going to play the Caps in the playoffs and they're going to beat us in a seventh game in that Square Garden overtime and it's going to be that game was terrific tame. last night against the Maple Leafs they went down two nothing the first four minutes one at six to three Igor Shesterkin is playing out of his mind he leads the league in save percentage and goals against average. Uh, it's like it's like Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. It's Henrik Lundqvist, Igor Shesterkin. It's been great. It's been great. Caps kind of did the same thing the other night against Winnipeg. They went down two nothing early and they yeah. came back. That was the first yeah. Caps game I had watched in a long, long time, Joe. I just had to make sure the guys I was seeing on the ice. I'm like, Ovi's still healthy. That's good. Kuzi's still healthy. Wilson's still healthy. Okay, we're good. And that man still leads the league in goals. It's remarkable. Yeah. That dude's never slowing down. You think he's getting the, he's going to get the record? Oh yeah. If the guy doesn't get hurt, yeah. I will bet any amount of money that he breaks Gretzky's record. He is well ahead of that pace. Um, you know, we, for the last couple of years, people have been trying to do the math and like they've, they've factored in him slowing down. But he doesn't. Well, here's the thing. He hasn't slowed down. Yeah, so you have yeah. to redo that math. And if you redo that math, he's going to blow by Gretzky as long as he stays healthy. Ridiculous. The great eight. All right, Joe, somebody else has been great is you in trivia. Excuse me. Best bets. We'll do first. Um, where I was not so great this past week. The playoff PJ regression has begun. And oh, yeah. Joe, you were 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. You had your first push of the year. 2-2-1? Two, two, and one? Was I? I yeah, I was... you lost. Who did I, um, I misremember? I deleted it, but I'll bring it up. So you tied the Tampa. Let me see. I got it on Twitter. I, got, I pushed Tampa under 46. I lost Casey. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. Two, two, Yep. You won the Rams, and you got the San Francisco under, and right. then you lost Philly and the KC under. 
And go. then, yeah, I had I had a rough week. I took the three underdogs, Pittsburgh, Las Vegas, New England loser. I was with you on the Casey Pitt under and the Dallas, San Francisco over 51. I was hoping for some overtime, but then once it was 23-17, I'm like, yeah. We're, that we're happened. Gonna, we're hey, Greg Zerline is the worst in the league at extra points this year, so you had a chance. Oh, that's true. That's true. You had a chance. That's true. Um, all right. So, your number five best bet, we had texted earlier because there are four games this week, and, you know, obviously it's tough to pick a side or total for every game. You could have gone with some player props if you wanted. I, I went, went with, with a couple. Okay, I went, I went with one. a couple. So, go ahead. You're number five. I went with one player prop and then all games. My one player prop, I couldn't believe this was a number, but, like, I get the premise because there's so many possibilities. Devontae Adams is, is plus 500 to lead the week in pass and, and receiving yards. Mm. The first time they played the Niners, he had 136 yards. I made the point that I made earlier about what Troy Aikman said, how if they were, if they were more willing to bend from what they want to do with the Cowboys, they could have just thrown the ball to CeeDee Lamb on every play, and he would have picked up 10 yards on every play. This game is going to be a lot of Lafleur makes a play call, Rodgers goes up to the line, Rodgers sees some sorry-ass corner playing 10 yards off of Devontae Adams, Rodgers hits Devontae Adams on a 10-yard curl. Next play, he hits him on a seven-yard slant. And then when the corner finally comes up to press him, he hits him 35 yards down the sideline back shoulder. That's going to be this whole game. Um, I, I mean, he, I, I think he comes in somewhere in the 150 to 200 range. It's the, same, it, the, the Titans did this with A.J. Brown when the Titans beat the Niners on that Thursday night game. And Tannehill is nowhere near Aaron Rodgers, and A.J. Brown is nowhere near Devontae Adams. So you got a better receiver and a better quarterback to do the same thing to replicate what was done on that Thursday night. And they already did it once this year when he had 136 against the Niners. So plus 500, Devontae Adams to lead the, lead the week in receiving yards. I like that. Um, my number five, I love my top four picks. My number five was just kind of, I'm going to pick a side on a game and hope it works. Uh, I'm going to take Buffalo money line against KC. I'm with you to pick them. I don't really love it. I'm not going to touch it until there's a live line that maybe I can jump on, but uh, I think the bills are going to win. So I'll take a shot on them as my number five. This is the toughest time of the year. We're like, I, I don't want to make something my number one and put the five points on it, but like my next four picks, I feel equal about all of them. And by equal, I mean, not great, <laughs> but like that's divisional rally. You don't, you don't know what's oh, going to happen. Not. Playoffs um, is all, it's all yeah. guessing. The markets yeah. are all sharp. Yeah. I'll go for number four. I'll throw up a dart here and make it this one instead of that one for number four. I'll stick with the Packers game and I'll go with the Packers minus five and a half. Um, the Niners could backdoor it. I, I don't think they keep it as close as people think. Uh, Packers kind of keep them at arm's length that just outscore them. Like I said, I think this game is, is probably something like Packers 27, Niners 21, Packers 31, Niners 23, something in that aspect. So I'll, I'll take the Packers minus five and a half. All right. My number four, I like one of my player props is, uh, or not a player prop, but just a prop, is I like the Bucks team total under 25 and a half points against the Rams. I... So you think the Bucks win – but they don't score more than 25. So you got a low scoring game in that game. I do. Yeah. I like, I like, I like the under in that game. I think both defenses dominate. You mentioned that the struggles on the Bucks O line, the injuries that they have, I think Brady gets pressured a lot and still not comfortable with some of those receivers. And then defensively, you weren't as impressed with Tampa as I was in that first game, but these, hopefully they get Sean Murphy bunting back to help out with that secondary, but their front seven 
it's an interesting point with the Rams side run game, but I, I think the Bucks will adjust and, you know, they'll slant Vita Vea towards those sides. They have some of those guys back healthy, the Shaq Barrett's and everything that'll help. Um, but I do like Tampa under 25 and a half points. I think it's going to be a 23-17 kind of game, maybe 24-20 to 20 kind of game. Um, so I like Bucks under 25 and a half. Nice, nice. I can see that. Uh, one more note on that while, while it's fresh in my mind. The other thing that I forgot to mention earlier that like swayed me to the Rams, Todd Bowles, seeing him coach the Jets for a few years, the man loved his blitzes. Yeah. And if the Rams run game can get him to a point where he just can't blitz because he and they could kill him on play action. Like I, I just McVay versus Bowles, that matchup, huge advantage, Sean McVay, huge advantage, Sean McVay. Um, next one for me, I'm going under 47. I hope I don't have another push. I hate pushes, but under 47 in the Titans Bengals game uh, for what I mentioned earlier, since the beginning of November, only two Titans games have had more than 47 points. My number three, Titans, Bengals, under 47. <laughs> Done. Good. Uh, next one for me then is, so you said you think I'd be on the over in Bill's Chiefs. Yeah. I like the under. Ooh. I, I think under 53 and a half, that is a huge number. And it, it's because they combined for whatever it was, 94 this week yeah. um, in separate games. But um, uh, I just, I, I see this game being a little more meticulous. Um not a lot of hurry up, not a lot of chunk plays. It's going to be, there's going to be points, but I just don't think there's going to be that many points. Like I, I see this game somewhere. And again, chiefs or bills, I don't know which, but like 27, 24, 27, 20, 24, 21. Like that's kind of the range this game falls under maybe like somewhere between 47 and 52 points, 54 is a lot. And I'll, I'll take the under 53 and a half in this game. So many times these games that we expect to be shootouts like, just come under the total. So I'll go. Uh, yeah, I agree. My under would be a play if I had it in that game. I'm sticking with that game as well. I'm going my favorite prop, Mahomes, over 22 and a half rushing yards. He had a 21-yard scramble against Pittsburgh last week. He didn't need to scramble because all his receivers were open in the second half. But Buffalo secondary is very good. They're going to make him hold the ball. We know Mahomes loves to scramble. And in this game where yards are so important, he'll take the three, four-yard scramble if he has to. That will accumulate. What's key about this one, I don't think we'll have any kneel downs because, A, mm. I think it's going to come down to last possession. And, B, I don't know if Kansas City will necessarily have the opportunity to kneel down because they might be trailing. So I think Mahomes is going to be running. 22.5 is a great price. He could get that on one scramble. So I like that a lot for Mahomes. Kneel down is so scary. In oh, the Super it's... Bowl, when, when the Chiefs beat the Niners. Yes. Ran back was, was like 11 yards. No, no. When the Chiefs beat the Niners, um, I had uh, – that was one of my favorite – like one of my best wins that I've ever had. I had a – it was a $5 to win $300 like parlay, uh, same game parlay in that game. And, and it came down to his rushing yards. And on a play – I don't think it was 11, but like there was one play where he ran back like six or seven yards. And I won. I had the over – I think it was like 46, something like that. 42, whatever this total was, I had over. And it went over by like a yard. Like if he would have lost one more yard on that play, I would have lost. Um, no. But it, he was, I'm sorry, he, that play took him like two yards above the total. And then the kneel down took him one yard above the total. So it was close, but I got it. Um, number one for me, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns here. I'm going Rams money line plus 125 as my number one. I've given all my reasons. I need to say no more. 
All right, and mine, San Francisco plus five and a half against Green Bay. I think they'll keep it close. They'll make it a game, and uh, hopefully they win it outright for all my futures that I have on them. So we'll see. Um, Some other props that intrigued me were there were three other that caught my eyes. Tannehill over a half interceptions. I think he throws one. That was plus money. McPherson over one and a half field goals. Talked about the under. Like field goals a lot. That was plus money, too. And then Kittle over 48 and a half receiving yards. The Jimmy G injury worries me, but last week he only had one catch. This week, because Jimmy G is injured, I think he could get the ball a lot. Uh, he could get the ball out quicker, and he could be. I just see how Mark Andrews absolutely obliterated Green Bay. And with all the focus on Debo, I think Kittle could have a game. So those were what intrigued me. But Mahomes, far and away, my favorite prop. Would not stun me. Would not stop all me right, at all. Joe. Trivia, you are up 31 to 25. You got yours right again last week. You are on fire. I did. Um, I'll give you mine first. So one of my favorite stats of the week, Tom Brady is older than all three coaches who can possibly win the Super Bowl from the NFC. Jesus. He's 44. LaFleur and Shanahan are 42. <laughs> McVay is 35. So with that in mind, if Amazing. McVay wins at 35 years old, yeah. Um, well, he'll actually be 36 because his birthday is uh, Monday, the 24th. But in terms of like 36 and how many days old, he'll be the youngest. Um, who are the other three coaches, 40 or younger, who have won a Super Bowl? Ooh. 40 or younger that have won a Super Bowl. All right, let's think about this. Um... There are three. That's impressive. Three. How far back is like the earliest one? Earliest one is the late seventies. Okay. But like, I didn't give you some rando here. Like, sure. Some, yeah. Um, I'll go Jimmy Johnson with Dallas. No, strike one. Okay. I didn't know how young he was. Um, um, Bill Walsh wasn't that young. Um, Bill Cowher wasn't that young. Dungy wasn't that young. Belichick wasn't that young. Har, ooh, Harbaugh. How old is Harbaugh? I'll go John. I'll go John Harbaugh. Nope. Wasn't Harbaugh. Um, Two strikes. Got thirty seconds. Need all three guys. Yeah, this is a good question. I'm not going to get it. Uh, I'll go. I'll go Tomlin. Tomlin is the youngest, 36 in 2009. There's okay. one. 20 seconds left. Uh, Tomlin and... 15. Mm. Uh, Seven. I'll just go Mike McCarthy. I know it's wrong. Now, the, the next one was Gruden. Um, Gruden was 39 in 2003 when he won. So Tomlin broke his record. Uh, and, and late seventies, I thought because it had been talked about a lot in the last couple of weeks, you might've gotten it. John Madden was 40 when he won his Super Bowl. So very nice. Tomlin 36, Gruden 39, Madden 40. And then after that, there's a couple who were close there. Uh, Joe Gibbs was 42. Uh, Chuck Knoll was 43. So if, if LaFleur or Shanahan win, they'll be in that company with, with Gibbs and Knoll. Um, but the only one who can who can obviously break the record. Uh, actually, take that back. He's not the only one. 
It could also be Zach Taylor, but um, from the NFC side, that's where my head was at McVeigh. Um, but those are the three guys who were under 40 and won it. It's crazy. McVeigh's 35. Like that yeah. just blows my mind. Yeah. Um, all right. Your question. So much has been talked about how green Bay's kind of struggled here at home in the postseason since they won a Super Bowl in 2010. Right. They have played seven different teams at home at Lambeau in the postseason. They've played eight games since 2018 at home. They've played one team twice, and then they've played six other teams. Their record is five and three. Can you name me all seven of the different teams that they've played? Seven teams at home in the playoffs. Since 2010. Yep, go ahead. Okay. Cowboys, the Dez game. 2014, that is correct. Giants, the Odell Boat game. That's the team that they've played twice. Yep. Yep. The Rams last year. That's three. When they lost to Kaepernick. That's four. Okay. Um, Cowboys, Giants. Uh... One of the Jay Cutler Bears teams? No Bears. They play the Bears on the road in the NFC. So right, that's one all strike. Right. All right. So, yeah, um, you got three more teams you need to get. Did they play now? Uh, the Saints with Drew Brees? Ones in they, there? They did not. They really? did not play Drew Brees in the Saints. Yeah. One more Falcons strike, 40 seconds on the left. road in that title game when the Falcons lost the Super Bowl. Um, the Seahawks, Seahawks, yes, in 2019, they beat them 28 yeah. to 23. So you got two more left. 20 seconds, Cardinals. Um, I said the Rams, I said the Niners, not the Cardinals. Already got the Seahawks. I has a couple teams floating in my head. Um, I'm gonna say the Panthers. Not the Panthers. Ah, Three strikes. So the one you missed. Oh, the Bucks last year. Yeah, I was going to say, you kicked yourself. All right. And then the one that was the toughest, which I didn't know if you would get, they played Minnesota at home in 2012. That's when Joe Webb was the quarterback. Do you remember that? He started that game at night. So that was the game. But all the others you got, so well done. Um, Didn't they – what was going through my mind with that, and maybe I'm wrong – the game where Blair Walsh missed a field goal like an idiot when it was like three degrees outside. That was against Seattle. That was against Seattle. Okay. And it was I, that was it. That was at Minnesota Gophers. Game. Right, right, right. I was I was thinking that in my mind, like I, I for some reason I thought that was the Packers, and I was like they played, but it wasn't Lambeau. But right. Uh, all right. The Seahawks Packer playoff game was when Marshawn Lynch came off and he was like, "Take care, of y'all chickens, y'all mental." Yeah. That was that game. Yeah. Um, the Rams won from last year, and the Bucks he got the Giants Odell game. The other game was when Green Bay was like 15 and one. Giants yeah. had the Hail Mary. And Coughlin, the yeah, yeah. They won that one. The Kaepernick won, Dez catch, and then Joe Webb was the other one. Good question. I like that. That was good. Yep. So well I had done. to break up my streak. That's all right. <laughs> I, I had to dig deep for it. So 31 to 25, you still lead. You got a comfortable lead there. Best bet should be interesting this week. Again, with playoffs, it's tough. I mean, closing some ground here. We're down, I'm down six, is it? You're down um, six and a half games mm. and 20 points. Okay. Uh, 
So yeah, closing the gap there. The O for five week. Did I? Well, I've gone O for five, five and O, O for five. So I'm hoping for a five and O this week. Yeah, probably not yeah. going to get it, but we'll see. Uh, thanks again to Danny Golden for joining us. A lot of fun having him on. Good luck to his Titans this week. Um, Joe, exciting week of football. These four games. I, I don't know if I've been this, this more excited for a divisional round. All four games should be great. All four of these games could have been conference championships. Like if, if the brackets would have gone a different way, the only permutation I would say that probably wouldn't have happened if the brackets fell a different way was any permutation that involved the Bengals being in it. Cause I don't think the Bengals beat any of those three teams yeah. in the AFC, but like outside of that, anybody could beat anybody. I think in both conferences and like, if, if you would have said it was Bucks Packers could have gone either way. If you would have said it was Rams, um, uh, against the Packers or against the Niners, like all those games could go either way. The, the chiefs Titans go either way. Bill's Titans go either way, depending on where the game is and, and who like is, is Derek Henry, Derek Henry in that game. Like all those could have gone either way. The only one, like I said, that couldn't have seen is the Bengals. But other than that, all possibly could have been championship games, not yeah. divisional games. So. I agree. Yeah. What will be fascinating if the Titans win, the winner of Bills Chiefs is going to be favored Goes in that there. game in Tennessee, probably by like three. So that'll be fun. We'll see. Should be fun. Yeah, if it's weird that they're the one seed, but uh, it is. That's a good question. I think you know what if if they win, if it's, assuming the Titans win, both those teams are favored. Um, if the Bengals upset the Titans, I would say the Bills and Chiefs are both probably favored by five to seven. I was going to say at six. home. Yeah. yeah. So five to seven, you say six, right in the middle. There you yeah. go. And uh, then the NFC. If- yeah, if, if Green Bay is home, yeah, I would. If Green Bay is home, I would say that they're probably a, a, th- a three and a half to four and a half point favorite against either the Rams or the Bucks. And if it's uh, uh, if it's Niners against one of those two teams, I'd say Bucks are probably five point favorites at home against the Niners and the Rams because the Niners would be such a public play for having beaten the Rams twice Rams at home against the Niners. I'd say that spread probably comes in at about two. I think it'd be, or maybe it'll open more, but like it'll get bet down to two is what I should say. I think it'd be exactly like Bama Georgia would be that Rams Niners game Mm -hmm. where everybody knows the history. And then the Niners would be the sucker bet and the Rams would be laying like three and all the pros would be on the Rams and all the Joes would be on the Niners and the Rams would cover. But green Bay against those teams would be interesting. I think Tampa would probably be about three, and then the Rams would probably be about three and a half, four. I think it'd be right, right in there. So we're gonna find out. You will. Can't wait. See you next week, Joe. Episode seventy-two. Yes, sir. Yeah.